We want to hear God's word. And so we're going to turn to the Psalms this morning. Psalm 46. Uh, we're taking a, a little break from our, our series in Titus. We'll be finishing off the book of Titus next week, but today we're going to camp ourselves in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray that God will help us as we camp out in the refuge that is Psalm 46. Father, we are thankful that you speak to us. Thankful for the pictures that you give us of who you are. And so we come to you, the one who is our refuge, and we ask that this morning you would comfort us through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Remembrance Day, a day whenever we gather to remember those who have given their lives for others, those who have sacrificially served in order to bring order and safety, and justice in the land which we live and, and further afield. And we are thankful for them, and we give thanks to God for them. And for some of you here, here this morning, you too have served our country, risking your life for the good of the people. And so today we again give thanks to God for you too. And as we remember battles and wars of the past, we would be foolish to think that those sort of sacrifices were for years gone by, and that somehow we have moved into a new era. We watch in the news, and the devastation, if we focus on Ukraine alone, is, is overwhelming, isn't it? And we see how battles still rage. Wars are still being fought. The world that we live in is full of bloodshed. Kingdoms fight against kingdoms, some rising and others falling. Borders move one way and then another, depending on who is stronger at the time. It's been that way 
all through history, hasn't it? This morning, I want us to see that ultimately there are only two kingdoms. Ultimately, there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of this world, and then there is the kingdom of God. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world is made up of everyone who rejects God, whether they seem to be actively fighting against God and are opposed to anything to do with Him, or whether they're just your really nice next-door neighbor who doesn't really say anything against God, but doesn't want to submit to His rule and His reign. Then the other kingdom is, is actually the invisible church. That's the, the people of God. So we have the church here as both visible and invisible. And so the visible church is all of those who gather, who look like outward, they are, they are part of God's kingdom. But not everybody who actually gathers here to worship God is, is part of his true kingdom. You might look like it for a while and then fall away. Or maybe you just gather here, but you know in your heart you've never actually really truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so it's those who are part of the invisible church, the, the ones who truly trust in Jesus as their, as their King and Savior and Lord, that's who is in the kingdom. And Psalm 46 this morning speaks to both, speaks to those who are in God's kingdom, that's the invisible church, and to those who are outside the kingdom those who are part of the kingdom of the world. And to both, it's a call to remember. It's a call to remember. So what does God say to those who are part of his kingdom? What's the, the song that they're to sing? Well, let's just work our way through this psalm together. To the choir master, the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, last week, I told you that I studied property investment and development. I told you that where I can, I try to, you know, put it into sermons just to, to help think about those three years that uh, they, they weren't wasted because, you know, God uses everything. And so here I get it two weeks in a row, and so I was very, very smug. And, and here's, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking about how when I was studying property investment and development, they continually said foundations are really, really key. And then they'd bring up some examples of places where foundations were not good, and they showed you what happened. It is not a good picture. Foundations are really, really important. If you don't get the foundations right, then everything after that goes wrong. And in a sense, for God's people, verse one is the foundation, which they need to allow to be firmly established before they can sing on the rest of the psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. wonder where you turn when trouble comes. Well, for God's people, here is the answer. We are to come to God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. And He is not some sort of far-off God who can't meet us in a time of trouble. No, no, no. Rather, He is present. He is present, and He is well able to help us in times of trouble. I want you to picture the scene. You're a soldier, and you're in combat. You've been out on a mission, and you come under fire. You've been caught in open country. There is little or no protection. And so you scramble. You scramble and you, you try to avoid the bullets, seeking to make it to the little outpost of your camp, which you know is your only hope. Making it to that refuge point, that is your only chance of survival. 
It's the only place that you're going to find protection against that ongoing onslaught of attack. And for the believer, for those in the kingdom of God, we'll hear the words of the psalmist. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I wonder if you can kind of imagine for a moment the, the, the relief for the soldier who manages to make it to refuge. Can you picture that scene? You get through the door, you barricade the enemy out, and you sit behind the door and you slump down in safety, and you enjoy the shelter that is provided. There's deep sighs of relief, isn't there? <laughs> You get the picture? That's the picture that God sets before us this morning. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And because this is true, then we, as God's people, we can sing on, can't we? Verse 2, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Here we have a picture of cosmic chaos, don't we? Where there are earthquakes and landslides, and it feels like the mountains are trembling. You can see as you watch out the, the, the visually terrifying state. You can hear it with the, with the roar, and it's audibly overwhelming, isn't it? Now, for the psalmist, what did he have in mind whenever he wrote the psalm? Well, he doesn't tell us, does he? And so that is an answer that we cannot be sure of. But it could well be that the psalmist has in mind a poetic meditation of what happens in 2 Kings 19, 35 to 37. Certainly some well-trusted scholars like Alec Pantier believe that this is the case. But whether this is the exact scenario or not, I think it's a really helpful way for us to imagine the sort of scenario, the sort of scenario that could well have led to the writing of this psalm. Let me set the scene. Jerusalem, God's uh, people's city, was under the rule of King Hezekiah whenever it comes under attack. And the Assyrians, they planned to take the city. A huge army was amassing just outside the city walls, ready to attack. I wonder if you were in the city, if you were, if you were in here, how would you feel? Maybe you would look out over the walls, you'd see all the army amassing. Maybe you were a soldier and you were posted up there and you look out and you see that huge, huge, huge army that's going to be coming against you. I wonder how you would feel. And it looked like from the eyes of the world that the Assyrians are going to win. As people would have watched on, they'd have been sure of the outcome. When, it looked like, when they looked at how the, the armies matched up, they didn't match up. It looked like all that God's people knew to be safe and sure. The city of God's people, the walls, the protection that it provided, it looked like it was all going to come tumbling down. And then listen to these verses, and what does God say to this great Assyrian army who have set themselves against him and his people? Listen to these verses from 2 Kings 19. This is what God says. God says, because you have raged against me and your, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. 
Then let me jump forward to, to verse 35. This is what happens. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I don't know what's happening in your life personally at the moment. Maybe you're indeed fearful. Maybe the mountains are moving and shaking, the things that seemed immovable in your life, the rocks, the big stones, the firm things, maybe they all seem somewhat at sea this morning. Maybe you've found yourself single after many years of marriage. Maybe the children that you devoted your your life to to bringing up have now flown the nest and you, you can't quite figure out what to do now. Maybe the job that you were so sure was a job for life. Well, maybe your boss has just told you in the past week, that is not the case. Maybe the home that you've been so settled in for so long, you can now no longer to afford. You're now no longer able to afford. Maybe the reputation that's gone before you and the one on which people approached you. Well, maybe for whatever reason, that reputation has been tarnished. The mountains are moving, the waters are roaring and foaming. Where do we go? To whom do we run this morning? Well, God is our refuge and strength. But notice this doesn't just apply to the individual. No, this is a a psalm that's to be sung corporately, isn't it? This is a psalm that's to be sung by God's people. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. And for God's people, now they, they no longer live in a city like Jerusalem, do they? But they do gather together as a church. That's what we're doing here, isn't it? We gather together as God's people, the church. And as a church, we can look out into the kingdom of the world and we can feel battered, can't we? We can feel battered. We can feel like there are great big armies seeking to set themselves against us and against God's people. As you listen to Stephen Nolan, you know that whenever the Christian comes on to speak, they are going to get absolutely battered, aren't they? The things that we know to be true and right and good, the things that God has created, things like gender being made male and female, things like marriage between one man, one man and one woman, just basic building blocks that the society needs to flourish. Well, don't you feel the weight of the army? The army that's outside the kingdom who are opposing the church's teaching on something like that. And why is it that we teach things like this? Well, it's because it's so clearly how God has called us to live. It is the righteous way to live. It's the way that God says leads to blessing and flourishing. And so as God's people, we need to stand. We need to be ready to fight and battle. We need to stand individually, and we need to stand corporately. And boy, we need wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom to know how to stand as his people. So for the teacher who refuses to call a child by a different gender than their sex, their biological sex, because to do so would be to break the ninth commandment, wouldn't it? Bearing false testimony against your neighbor. You need to know that God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, do not fear. For the parent who refuses to let their teenage children go on a school trip because someone of the opposite sex wants to sleep in a room with their son or their daughter, because of how they identify at that particular time, 
You need to know that God is your refuge and your strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, do not fear. For the friend who refuses to go to their friend's marriage because it's not to a member of the opposite sex, you need to know that God is your refuge and your strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, do not fear. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. You see the contrast as you flick between those two little sections? The contrast between the river and the sea. The seas that foam and roar, bringing about destruction and chaos, bringing, bringing about decreation and devastation. And then we have the picture of a river that brings life, don't we? A river that makes glad the city of God. And so what a, what a contrasting picture. After the chaotic sea, we now have this tranquil, life-giving river, the one that provides life to the city of God. Jerusalem then, the church now, and the new creation to come the place where God is in a special way, the holy habitation of the Most High. This is life-giving water, isn't it? And what's it pointing us towards? Well, isn't it God himself? Verse five, God is in the midst of her. That is what's, that's what's gonna make the difference, isn't it? That's what brings calmness and stability to God's people, no matter what they face, no matter what they come up against, God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God has promised that he is building his church, and that is exactly what he's doing this morning. Verse five, God will help her when morning dawns. Apparently in ancient military campaigns, fighting started at first dawn. Now, I wasn't a part, uh, about for any of those ancient military campaigns, and so I'm basing it on someone else's reliable evidence, okay? But um, I, I do think it helps us to understand this passage, doesn't it? Especially this verse. God will help when morning dawns. This God that we're reading about is, is not a God who's going to turn up late to battle. He's not going to arrive at lunchtime and say, so I didn't realize that battle was taking place. This is a God who is not slow to act for his people, even though sometimes he calls us to wait for him. Verse six, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Here the psalmist turns to politics, doesn't he? Maybe the idea of kingdoms tottering, after all that we've seen in the last few months, even in our own nation, maybe that doesn't seem like something that's so incomprehensible. Nations rage, kingdoms totter, about to fall. They did then, and they still do now. And if, as suggested, that Psalm 46 is kind of written as it reflects back on what happened in two kings. Well, then the Assyrian army were attacking Jerusalem, and it looked very much like it was the Assyrian army who was raging, and it looked like, very much like Jerusalem was the one who was tottering, the one who was about to topple. And yet, look what happens next. Look what happens. Look with me. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Do you see that? 
Now, what did God say to the great Assyrian army? Well, we heard it, didn't we? I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. Isn't that a, a wonderful example of how he utters his voice and the earth melts? I mean, you can come against God. You can come against God with all of your might. You can rage and you can scream against God. You can attack his people. You can come against his church. But do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God sees and God hears, just like we were thinking about last Sunday night. And at the point of his choosing, he speaks. He just utters some words, and look what happens. The people are terrified. The earth melts. The people that seem so strong, so outspoken, who are so, so blazingly against God, well, they, they melt away to nothing, don't they? They just cower away when they recognize God's awesomeness. And so I wonder, do you believe that this morning? <laughs> you know, that an uttering from God can just completely change the course that we're on? An uttering from God would bring about a stop to Russia in its tracks, and uttering from God, and the LGBTQI movement would just melt away to nothing, and uttering from God and the pro-abortion lobby would, would no longer stand. You see, Psalm 46 reminds us that God is the one who is in control. And then we hit verse seven, don't we? <laughs> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Brings to an end this section, doesn't it? And in fact, this is a little refrain that appears again in verse 11 at the very end of the psalm. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's the castle that we are in. Yahweh, the Lord of heaven's armies, he is with us. He dwells with his people. The God of Jacob, he is our fortress. He is our high security unit that we find ourselves having complete security in. Why Jacob? Why bring Jacob into it here? Why, why mention the God of Jacob? Why not say the God of Abraham or you know, any of the other, others who have gone before us? Well, wasn't Jacob's family one that had crisis after crisis? You might say that Jacob knew his fair share of roar and foam, didn't he? And yet the God who had held and kept his people then is the same God who holds and keeps his people today. What a a verse for the believer to sing as they peer over the wall, as they peer over the wall of the city that, that amasses many, many troops outside who have set themselves against it, as they look out of the church, as they look out of the church and they feel the weight of the kingdom that seems to be battling and raging and bombarding at the door. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's at this point that the message of the psalm has a call to action. Did you spot that? A call to action for all of those who hear. I think it's a message for both those in the kingdom and also those who are outside the kingdom, those who are in the kingdom of the world. Here it is. This is what God says. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations of the earth. You can kind of imagine the, the frontline troops in the city of Jerusalem as they looked out in the morning, the morning that maybe they expected battle with the Assyrians. And what do they see as they peer over the age as, as, as dawn comes? They see 185,000 corpses 
and they say to the person behind them, you know, the person who hasn't spotted yet, the person who's, who's getting ready for battle, who's fearful and nervous, and they say this, they say, hey, come, behold the works of the Lord. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy as they would look out through the wall and think, wow, what a God we worship. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Come and see, behold the works of the Lord. We haven't lifted a finger on, look what God has done. <laughs> look what he's been doing. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. As they look out, the army is gone. The battle is no longer raging. The weapons are now redundant. The chariots or the wagons or whatever they were, with all those supplies and people ready to attack, well, now they're just left burning. And who is it that's brought this all about? Well, who is the active party? Verse 9, who's the active party there? It's God, isn't it? He makes, he breaks, he burns. And so for the believer, as they focus again on God's saving acts, how do they respond? Well, they hear the words of God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, this is not a call to the Christian to sit quietly or to take a great big deep breath as maybe as often applied, but rather this is a call to the Christian to look at the gods that we worship. Look at his power. Look at what he has done for his people and to be in awe. We do not need to be fearful in the midst of battle somehow thinking that there's a chance that somehow God's kingdom might totter and fall. No, this is the Lord of hosts we're talking about. He will be exalted among the nations. In fact, he will be exalted in the earth. No matter what those in the kingdom of the world believe, this is how it's going to end. God will be exalted. He will bring his judgment on those who are outside of his kingdom, outside of his refuge. For those who are outside of Jesus Christ, destruction is the end point. It might look, it might feel like you're part of what will be the defeating army as you gather, as you amass like the troops of the Assyrian army outside God's kingdom, outside of the church. But the end result will be this. Make no mistake, it will be destruction. We often hear people talking about being on the right side of history, don't we? Well, here it is. We see that God's kingdom will when he will be exalted. And so here is the message for those who are outside of the kingdom this morning. The message is, is very much one of, you need to be on the right side of history. And so come, behold the works of the Lord. Read the scripture, scan your eyes over the book of creation. Hear God's word saying, be still and know that I am God. Stop trying to fight against him. Stop opposing his people. Be still Know that God is indeed God. Stop battering against him. Because to set yourself against God, things are only going to end in one way, and it is not good. And so the message to the, the pagan nations, all of those who are outside of God's kingdom, is that God will be exalted. And so in a sense for the non-believer, to those who are outside the kingdom of God, here is a call to the kingdom 
Here's a call to get inside the walls. Here's a call to take refuge in Jesus because if you don't, that's how it's going to end. The only place where you can ultimately know peace and security in the presence of God Almighty living in you through His Spirit is in His kingdom. The only place that you can know safety from the judgment of God for, for sin is hiding yourself in Christ and His perfection. And so this morning, can I urge you, come, behold the works of the Lord. He has sent Jesus Christ into the world so that for those of us who put our trust in Him, we will find refuge and safety and peace forever in Him. We will know the forgiveness of sin. We will not meet His judgment like those outside the kingdom. And we will know the joy of what it is to live in the kingdom, safe and secure, and taking refuge in Him. So this morning, for all of us, we need to hear the call, come, come behold the works of the Lord. Come, be part of His people. Come and be part of the invisible church of God who wait and long for the day of the new creation when they will know in all its fullness what it is like to be dwelling in the city of God, with God, dwelling in the midst of her, And so as we close on Remembrance Sunday, I want you to hear the call from God, a call to remember. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray bringing about the fulfillment of your kingdom. Lord, we pray for those of us who are part of that church, part of your kingdom. Lord, help us to remember that this is a kingdom that will not totter or fall, that you will keep your church. We are safe and secure. And for those who are this morning outside of the kingdom, might they hear the call to come in, the call for refuge, the call to find themselves in Christ knowing the forgiveness of sin and the safety that comes with being part of your people. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.